Hello, Evangel family. Pastor Chris here. I'm so glad to be able to spend this time with you today as we come to you right in your homes. I'm so thankful that, again, as I said last week, the church is not defined or confined by four walls in a building. We are the church because we've gathered today in Jesus' presence to call on his name and look to his word and to worship him. So I want to welcome you, everyone that's watching. Maybe you're a guest now and you're just tuning in for the first time someone shared this with you. I believe that no one watching this is watching by accident. In fact, I believe it's a divine appointment with the creator of the universe, God himself, that wants to speak to us collectively today. Church, we are living in a time that is unprecedented in any of our lifetimes. We're experiencing things that we've never experienced before, and I'm sure two or three weeks ago you never thought you'd be experiencing or living through. We've just crossed over a threshold event and moment inside of this past week where we now in the United States have the largest toll of people with confirmed cases of COVID anywhere in the world. And I'm sure that there are a lot of things that we're all feeling. I'm sure that many of you are dealing with different issues from uh, reduced hours at work to all together losing your job in cutbacks, dealing with watching from home and working from home as you are taking care of your children who are in school and learning how to homeschool them. That's something that my wife Mandy and I are dealing with and navigating as we both work and take care of our kids and teach them. I know that this time can feel hopeless. I know that we can be very afraid. I know that we can feel all of the uncertainty that the world around us is swirling in. But I want to continue to encourage us to spend this time looking up to God because I am so certain of one thing, that the reality of heaven is not the same as the reality of earth. And everything that we're feeling, all the uncertainty, is not the same reality as heaven. There is no uncertainty in heaven. God knows what he's doing. He's still on his throne. And I believe he has a moment for us today. You know, I've been reading forward in our See Like Jesus series. I've been doing the readings in advance of where you currently are. And as I was reading and looking ahead, the Holy Spirit spoke something deep in my heart. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning in God's word. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. You can, if you're watching online in our church online, you can actually go right there on the side and you'll see that we have a Bible right there for you. You can pull out a Bible anywhere you have it, but let's lean in, let's take notes, let's get the most of what God wants to share with us because I want to give you some things today and at the end of the message, we're going to have some practical steps on how you can live out this message throughout this week in a way that I believe God's really going to use us, bring us peace and comfort and hope during this time. So right now, as you are where you are, let's just gather together. If you're with your family, would you just take the hands of the loved ones near you and can we just invite the presence of Jesus to come to meet us in this place? Lord, we thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. We thank you that in these moments that we spend in your word, all of the overwhelm and the hopelessness that some might be feeling, Lord, that it will be shielded from this moment, Lord. All we will hear is your word. All we will sense is your presence, Lord God. And I pray in these precious moments that you will speak to our hearts a word in season, a word that will bring hope, Lord God, a way forward in a part that you have us to play. So Lord, help us today, Jesus. Come on, if right where you are, would you repeat these words? Jesus, come on, say it right here out loud. Jesus, help me to see like you. In your name we pray, amen. As I shared with you, I was reading in God's word in Luke chapter 10, and as we come to this passage of scripture, it's right after the disciples had gone out and they had continued to be a part of the ministry that Jesus had called them to. And they were seeing incredible miracles transpiring. They were seeing all the things that Jesus had done, the multiplication of the loaves and fishes as we shared about last week. 
And then Jesus says something so beautiful that I just want to share with you today. He said this, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 23, it says, Then he turned to his disciples and said to them privately, and I want you just to lean in right now because I believe the Lord has a prophetic word for your heart today, something he wants to speak that maybe you won't understand in the moment, but later will make a lot more sense. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Pastor, what are you talking about? Blessed are your eyes. Do you know what I'm seeing right now? No, I know what you're seeing because I'm seeing it as well. And it's overwhelming. But I believe if we could see through the eyes of Jesus, church, let me tell you what I believe with everything inside of myself that we can fast forward a few months from today, no matter what the next days and weeks hold. And I believe that Jesus wants to do something bigger than we could ever imagine. I believe we are on the brink of the greatest revival we will ever see in our generation, in our lifetimes, and it's about to unfold. God is about to take this moment of crisis and he's about to work it for good for his kingdom. And I know, church, that he has a part for us to play in it. And I know that he's looking for us right now to provide peace to our hearts so that we can see the way that he wants us to see it. I believe that we can either see an obstacle in everything that's in front of us or we could see the opportunity of what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Why is that, Pastor? Why do you think that it's such an important moment in time? Because it doesn't feel, it feels hopeless. To the world, it feels hopeless. But I want you to know the reality of heaven. I want you to know the reality of anyone today. If you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says something. You see, the world's in short supply of hope. But I want you to know what you have if you have Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. If we could see what Jesus sees, if we could understand the reality of what it means to be in Christ, then you can know today that we have a living hope. Other people, their hope has been dashed. They are hopeless at this hour. The world that doesn't know Christ is feeling the sense of hopelessness. And we have a living hope to offer them in Jesus. Family, Church, everyone listening, I believe this is the hour where many hearts and lives are going to turn towards a place that they can find a hope that can never be shaken. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that we have this hope in Jesus as an anchor for our souls. So it doesn't matter what all of these announcements in the news and local and national governments say that whip us back and forth. We have a hope that keeps us steady in Christ. Come on, somebody. Say or type or share amen if you know what I'm talking about. Because this hope is what's going to get us through. It's not the hope in government. It's not hope in a bailout or some kind of stimulus package. Today, the greatest hope that any of us could ever experience is the hope that we have in Jesus. And I want you today, if you are feeling hopeless, to lean into that hope and that Jesus at this hour is going to bring you to a place of hope and a place of peace as we walk through this storm together because he hasn't left us and he hasn't forsaken us. And so today, as we continue on, we're going to just look at this passage in Luke chapter 10 because it gets to a very special moment where Jesus teaches something so powerful that we need to grasp at an hour like this. It says in verse 25 that on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, 
what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, this teacher of the law, this expert, someone that knew and understood all about God's law, he was looking to trap Jesus. Many religious leaders of the time were because they were very uncomfortable with what Jesus was doing and what he was saying. And he was claiming to have this relationship with God that, that was borderline blasphemous at this moment. They were saying no person could say this except God himself. And Jesus was God himself. And so they were looking for opportunities to trap him, to trip him up. And uh, this teacher of the law, this expert of the law, had no idea what was about to unfold as Jesus began to share with him. So he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, as he often does, when people came to him with questions, he answered them with a question. Great leaders do that if you've ever sat around them, that you come to them with a question, they ask you a question. Jesus did that. He was a master of that. So he said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So he already has tripped up the expert in the law because the expert was looking for an answer, not a question. Well, he answered, and he went back, and, and basically we see the Shema, which is written in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God says everything in the law is bound up in this. So it's not that, that Jesus was going to go point by point through all the 613 commandments of the law and understanding everything written in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, and so on. It's all wrapped up in this one statement. And so he recites that to Jesus because he knows what the Lord's getting at. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, he said, do this and you will live. Now the Expert in the law has heard this. He's taken back a little bit. Uh, Things did not go as he anticipated they would go in his testing of Jesus, his trying to trip him up. And so he then is trying to justify himself. Okay, I get it. I I, I study the law. I, I know what it means to love God and to honor him and to do my best to live in relationship with him. But he has this question to justify himself to Jesus. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Church family, I believe that the greatest thing we could do in a time like this is to lean into our relationship with God, is to lean into him with everything that we have. You can look to this world and you're not going to find any peace. You can look to the news and you will not find hope. You will only find temporary, fleeting emotions, whether positive or negative. But if you want to have hope in this hour, we must lean into our relationship with God with everything we have. We must learn what it means to take Jesus' words to heart. So what does it mean to love God with everything that I am? To love him with all of my being. But then the second question is vitally important in an hour like today. When we are experiencing social distancing, when we are experiencing people that are having to self-quarantine for 14 days, people connected to our church family who are feeling hopeless and defeated and wondering when God will show up because someone in their family has contracted COVID or someone around them and they've been exposed to it and now they're in isolation and some people aren't willing to tell anyone because they're ashamed and afraid and there's a stigma attached to it. There are people that are vulnerable and elderly and immune compromised that are shut up in their homes wondering how they're gonna get supplies and groceries. There are people that have lost their jobs and are single parents taking care of children or special needs families that are dealing with with just an onslaught of children challenges as they're trying to navigate what's going on around them and everyone is so consumed with the hour at hand in a time when we need to spend as much time apart from other people 
It's interesting that the Lord would want us to ask this question. Who is my neighbor? I can tell you the truth that this week I've met more neighbors and people around me that I haven't had a chance to meet since I've moved into my neighborhood. I've had conversations at a distance and had introductions with people that I may have never met if we wouldn't be walking through this season. But I think on a greater level, the Lord wants to show us who our neighbor is and help us to carry out his word. I want to give you a great definition for who your neighbor is today. Your neighbor, when it comes to God's word and what Jesus is teaching us, your neighbor is anyone whose need you see that God has put you in a position to meet. Let me say that again. Your neighbor is anyone whose need you see that God has put you in a position to meet. So Jesus is looking to tell a story to help them understand who our neighbor is. And there are three uh, categories of people that you could find yourself in during this time. And I believe that every one of us might be in one of these places. And there's one place today I don't want you to be in of those three, and we're going to talk about that. But there's the first person. Let's just take a look at this. In verse 30, it says that there was a man going down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by some robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away. And they left him half dead. This man is there. He's probably bleeding. He's probably literally hanging on to the edge of his life. And for some of you today, this storm of COVID-19, what's happening in the world has left you beaten. You feel worn out. You feel hopeless. You don't know what to do and where to turn. And you feel like this person today. I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know you're not hopeless. I want you to know as bad as it might seem, there is hope and hope has a name. And Jesus told this story because he never wants anyone to be alone that's feeling this way. And so you could be in that category today and say, Pastor, that's me. I feel hopeless. I've been diagnosed or I've been exposed or I'm vulnerable or I've lost my job or I'm just becoming undone out of fear and anxiety, whatever it might be. You might be in that position today. And I want you to know Hope is on the way. Hope has a name. Jesus wants you to know something. You might be in this next category. It says this in verse 31. A priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by him on the other side. Social distancing. We see it again here in the scripture. And so to a Levite, when he came to that place, he saw him and he passed on the other side. And so as they come and they begin to get to this place, they see from afar that this man is there and he's in this broken situation. And they decide that if we are to get too close, we're going to become unclean. I mean, it, it literally feels like the panic that we're all feeling when it comes to potentially contracting COVID, being exposed. The whole reason for the social distancing, we can understand this, can't we? And so they passed on the other side and they said they're left to take care of themselves. Perhaps they, you know, what the priest could have been thinking, if I, if I would go and care for him, I'm going to become unclean. If he dies in my care, then I will be ceremonially unclean. It's very expensive for me to go through the Jewish rituals to get through that. And so I, 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 I can't really risk that at this point in time. I, I, I need to take care of what I need to take care of. And he passed on the Levite the same way. I'm sure that they had many religious reasons why they were taking the stance that they were taking. And then there's someone else that shows up. And I, and I love this because when Jesus mentions this individual, uh, there would have been an audible gasp of everyone listening, including the teacher of the law. He probably would have turned bright red when he heard Jesus use this phrase. In verse 
33. Let's just all say it aloud. Just these first three words in this verse. But a Samaritan. Stop right there. But a Samaritan. If you know anything about the Bible or you know anything about the New Testament, you know that, uh, and maybe you've heard me say it before, the Samaritans and the Jewish people, they were enemies of each other. They could not stand each other. They were always at each other's uh, throats. In fact, Jewish people called Samaritans dogs. That was their nickname for them. And so Jesus tells a story. In, in the original story, people probably knew this story of the good Samaritan. It was probably the good Jew. It was probably the good Levite. Because normally when someone else would tell the story, the hero of the story would be one of those religious people. But Jesus flips it all on its head. He said, but a Samaritan. Come on, somebody. Sometimes God's going to bring help from the most unlikely place. Sometimes hope can come from places you'll never expect. And in this hopeless situation, the Samaritan man comes. As he traveled, he came to the man. He saw him. And he took pity on him, or as your uh, verse might say, had compassion on him. That's what the, uh, the original Greek is getting to this word, compassion. He had compassion on him, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, and he poured oil and wine on him. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii, which is two full day's wages, and he gave it to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you any expense that you may have. So we see right here in this passage that this Samaritan was someone who went the extra mile, who saw and had a heart of compassion, and he did anything that he was able to do in his strength to meet the need to help this man because he was his neighbor. And so he goes at his own expense to go to great lengths to meet the need. Again, your neighbor is anyone whose need you see that God has put you in a position to meet. And so that was the case for this Samaritan. And Jesus then says to the religious leader, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, I love this because he won't say Samaritan. He, that's like a swear word to them. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus then said, now you go. And do likewise. Come on, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord, to see this word at such a critical hour where there's so much fear and uncertainty. Lord, you have to show us who our neighbors are. You have to show us, Lord, what do you want us to do to live out this passage, Lord God? There are people that are hurting at this hour and hopeless, Lord. They're left abandoned. But Lord, I know that you want to raise up your followers to come and to meet the needs of the vulnerable, Lord God, and to bring hope to those who feel hopeless at this hour, Lord God. You don't want any person, Lord God, inside of your church, outside of your church, or in this world, Lord God, to go through this season or come to the end of their life without experiencing the hope of Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, to apply this word to our lives, to live it out, not just to know it. In your name we pray, amen. Go and do likewise. So I want to talk to you about how we're going to do this and what that can really look like in your life. And I think that, you know, whenever you think of those two people, you see the religious leaders and you see the Samaritan, I, I need you to just talk about it with anyone that's around you right now or say it out loud. Which category do you want to fall into? Which one do you want to be in during this season? Do you want to be the one that passes by or do you want to be the one that finds a way to meet the need? Do you want to be the one that Jesus said is one that's living out 
the greatest law and everything that sums up the law of God, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to understand the difference and really make sure that you're leaning into the right one, I want to give you two things that are going to really help you. There are two principles that will help you understand this. The first thing I want to share with you is this, that who I am determines what I see. Who I am determines what I see. When I think about my identity, I have to understand where my identity is rooted. If my identity is rooted in this world, I'm going to see a certain way. If my identity is rooted in heaven, I'm going to see a different way. That's what this principle means. Who I am determines what I see. You see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses, verse 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Meaning, do not be conformed to this world. Don't allow yourself to be shaped by it or don't allow your thinking to be shaped by it. It's difficult in an hour like today because the world is screaming and uncertain and fearful. And it's very easy that we are going to take our cues, church, follower of Jesus, from the way that this world is operating, the way that the world is reacting, not responding, to all of the craziness going on around us, all of the hopelessness and fear that is swirling. But who we are determines what we see. So let me just say this to you. If you are shaped by this world, if you're just of this world, then you know what you're going to do? You're going to live for yourself. Because here it is. If I am of this world, then I think one way. I think for myself. If I'm of this world, I'm shaped by the patterns of this world. One of the greatest things that I see in this because the root of being just grounded in this world, only thinking about this life, is, is, a, is a deep sense of selfishness. It means that I love myself and I want to take care of myself and my own. And so we're seeing this, this situation unfolding around us called panic buying. I want to tell you that the reason why you're seeing all of the stores and shelves empty is not because there is not enough food to meet the need. Church, don't be confused about that. It's because there is so much fear that people are stocking up and they are taking so much more than they'll ever need during this season, storing it away for themselves. And so that's the way the world thinks. I need to make sure that I'm taking care of number one. I need to make sure that I'm loving myself in my own. That's the way, and that's the way the world thinks. And I'm not telling you that there's, there's, that's wrong. That's just the way the world is. But I want you to know there's a different reality. Jesus doesn't just say, love yourself. Yes, love yourself. But he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does that look like? What can that really be like? Because Jesus says something clear as he's praying in John chapter 17, verses 15 through 16. He's praying to the Father. And here's what he says in verse 15. He said, Father, I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Just pause for a moment. Jesus says, look, the, things are about to get very bad for my followers. Jesus promised us we would have trouble. We're experiencing trouble, church. Everyone is. But he said, Father, I'm not going to ask you to take them out of the world. The Lord's desire is not to eject you from this situation, but to use you in the midst of it and to protect you from the schemes and the plots of the evil one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your hope and your future. So he said, no, I'm not praying that you take them out of this world. I'm praying that you protect them. And I pray that for you every single day, church. I'm on my face before God, praying his hand of protection be over you and your family. I prayed with some of our leaders today that God would just extend his hand of protection over their lives and the challenges that they're facing, that they would be far from the evil one. 
But then Jesus says something in verse 16. I want you to hear this. Lean in to God's word. Verse 16, he said, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I want you to know if you're in Jesus today, you're not of this world. You're of the kingdom. You've been born again into a living hope. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus, where we can now praise God, where we can have hope even in hopeless situations. So what does that look like to be in this world, but not of this world? I'm going to give you an example. Let's say that you're out shopping. I've been out shopping and you're walking down one of those empty aisles and you walk up and you see this sitting there. Now here's the situation. You already have three of these waiting at home for you and your family. You got like a couple months worth maybe, or you got, you got enough, but you now see this. You weren't looking for it, but you see it and you're thinking it's the only one in the store and I need it. And then you look down the aisle and you see a single mom with her kids climbing on her. She looks overwhelmed, hair is undone. Maybe she's wearing nurse's scrubs because she is one of those heroes. Come on, right now, church, I want you right now, we're gonna pause. I want you to give a round of applause for every person that's on the front lines during this time, every healthcare worker, every person that is serving in a frontline place in an essential position, our, our first responders, our police, our fire. Come on, right now, we're just gonna pause from the message. I wanna pray for them. Come on, right now, just lift your hands to heaven. Lord Jesus, we pray your protection and peace over every person that is on the front lines of this moment, Lord God. We pray that you will be their provision, their portion forever, Lord God. And they will know, even if it gets darker and more challenging, that you love them, Lord God. And that we love them and that we support them. And we'll do everything we can to help them, Lord. We ask you just to extend your hand of protection over them at this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. It's good to be led by the Spirit as God prompts our hearts. Let's make sure we're continually responding. So let's get back to the story. We have, you're standing there. You're looking at this thing. You see this, looks like a single mom that's overwhelmed, overworked, and tired. If you are of this world, you just got yourself another supply to add to the stockpile. Come on, do you know what I'm talking about? And you throw it in. Finder's keeper, first come, first serve. I was here first. This was God's blessing to me. But if you're like the Samaritan and you look, you don't just see this and you don't see that she's an obstacle or anyone else is an obstacle to getting it, but you see with Jesus' eyes, perhaps as you look at her and you pray in that moment, the compassion of the Lord would give you eyes to see maybe a different opportunity. And perhaps in that moment, instead of you taking for yourself, you say, listen, I don't even know you, but I see the need. I could recognize it. Would you want this? What do you think that would do for someone? What do you think that that would do as a, just a tangible demonstration of God's love? What would it mean for you today if you're in that hopeless place and you're in a store and someone extended that kind of love towards you and they didn't even know you? That's the heart of God. Come on, somebody. So who you are, who I am, determines how and what I see. Let me go to the second one. How I see and what I see determines what I do. In that moment, depending on how I was seeing it, 
was based on who I am. If I'm just living for myself and for this world, not if I'm of this world, then it's me. Then what I see is I see an opportunity for me and I see an obstacle in anyone else that wants it. If I am in this world, but not of this world because I'm of his kingdom, then what I see, who I am as a child of God and a follower of Jesus, then what I see is an opportunity. If you're of this world, you see obstacles all around you right now. If you are of the kingdom, you see opportunities to be the heart in the hands and the feet of Jesus. Depending on where we are and who we are determines how we see, church. And we are committed to seeing like Jesus, amen? And so, when we're doing this, we can begin to extend the hands and feet and the love of Christ in ways that we could never imagine. I want you today to pray and to ask Jesus to give you his eyes, to give you his heart, to help you to see the way that he wants you to see. In fact, I want you right now just to hear about a few of the amazing things that God is doing to allow us to see the way that Jesus wants us to see and to be those that Jesus wants us to be at this hour. Last week, we shared the vision and launched Boxes of Hope, which is an amazing undertaking and a vision bigger than any of us could ever imagine. We are going to deliver hope to the doorstep of every person who has been touched by this COVID crisis in our midst. We are going to bring a box of some kind of tangible supplies, some resources, some, some devotionals, some things that will show the love of Christ, and we're gonna deliver it to the doorstep of everyone self-quarantined, everyone that has been exposed, those are in the most vulnerable situations, we are going to begin to say, hope is on the way and deliver a box of hope all across New Jersey. That's a vision that's so much bigger than us, especially as it's been spreading rapidly in these last days. Well, I'm so thankful that this vision isn't an evangel vision, it's a kingdom vision. And since then, we have connected with multiple churches around New Jersey, large churches, influential churches, smaller churches. Any church that's heard about the vision says, we are on board, Evangel. Let's team up, and we are all committed from the north to the south that we are going to see hope spread faster than COVID, and we're going to get hope to every doorstep in need during this season. Come on, somebody, would you praise God that we're seeing God move? Not only that, but we have now been in communication with other pastors of churches around the country who are hearing about what God's doing right here in Evangel Church, right here in New Jersey, and they are ready to begin to prepare to do that all across the country. God's taking the vision of Boxes of Hope, and he is beginning to spread it to meet the need as the virus might spread into different areas of this country. People are going to see the hope of Christ, and hope is going to spread faster than COVID in Jesus' name. Amen? And so we're excited about that. We're excited about what we're doing and to partner and bring these supplies to those that need it the most. Some of the most vulnerable today, some of the most hopeless are the homeless. And we partner with an amazing ministry uh, called New York City Relief and the Relief Bus. And Juan Galloway reached out to us last week and they have a critical need because while everyone else has been leaving and all the other programs are shutting down in New York City in the five boroughs in Patterson, New Jersey, in Newark, they said, we're gonna keep going out and feeding them with everything we have left. They are champions. Uh, they have the heart of Jesus and the heart of compassion to meet the needs of the most vulnerable and hopeless at this hour. They needed funds and so we immediately were able to forward funds to help them continue their operation. But then I said, what else do you need? He said, we need hygiene kits. I said, what's a hygiene kit? He said, it's soap and, wa and, and bars of soap and, and washcloths because the homeless need to be able to, um, to clean themselves so that they don't contract and spread COVID-19. 
And so I said, well, we're going to be praying. I got back to the church and we were unloading that convoy truck. Don't you know over a thousand hygiene kits were loaded on there? We didn't even know that. God knew it and he already began to provide the need. Come on, somebody, praise God for that. That right now, 1,800 of these have made their way into the streets of New York City to get to the homeless at this hour. Take a look at this video from Juan Galloway of the Relief Bus and him sharing his delight about what God has done. Hi, Evangel Church. It's Juan Galloway from New York City Relief. Hey guys, I just wanted to give you an update from the streets. We operate obviously a mobile outreach to people struggling with homelessness. And I wanna thank you Evangel for partnering with us. Uh, the, the need on the street is great. Many services have shut down. There's less food, there's less help. But New York City Relief is continuing to go out every week in New Jersey and New York City providing food. Actually, we're serving double the amount of food. And that's why I wanna thank you today. Your church has made a generous gift of $10,000 to ensure we can keep going out there. And on top of that, you've donated 1,000 hygiene kits. This is a huge deal for someone living on the streets. They need soap, they need the things necessary to keep themselves clean, to keep from getting the disease or even uh, giving the disease away to someone else. So I just wanna say a huge thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for your leadership, Pastor Chris, and all the team, Maria, and everyone there who is making sure that the light is gonna shine during this dark time and the kingdom will continue to advance during this season of pandemic. Uh, the love of Jesus will not be stopped. God bless you guys, take care. Come on, church, let's just praise God. He's so faithful and he's so amazing for what he's doing. We're so excited that we could partner with them and we could see hope get to the hopeless at this hour. I wanna let you know that the mayors of our local town is, are overjoyed about the idea of boxes of hope. And we have already begun to deliver to families with free and reduced lunches, single income families are already beginning to receive supplies and boxes of hope delivered to their doorstep. In fact, yesterday we received a note from a parent that said, this is a wonderful surprise. Said, this has been such a difficult time. And it's a reminder that God never leaves us alone or unprotected. He said, I'm a single mom and I'm the only income provider. And now I know that I was at the point of almost losing my faith that I have a God who sees me and loves me. Thank you, Evangel Church, for bringing this box of hope to our family. Come on, somebody. We're able to do what Jesus has called us to do at this incredible hour. And we're just getting started. I want to give you an opportunity. Many of you, 300, have signed up to serve in some way. One of the greatest ways you could serve at this hour is you can begin to, as you're shopping, you can begin to shop for some essential supplies that we're going to be collecting here at the church. We're going to collect them three days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You'll see all the information on the screen and the list of things that we're going to be collecting. If you see any of these while you're out shopping, buy extra, put them in a bag, and on your way home from the grocery store on one of those days, drop them off in the bins outside of our building. We will then disinfect everything to make sure it's sterilized and clean and we'll begin to put those in boxes of hope to help people in need at this hour. Also, I want to give you a practical tip of church on how we can continue to live this out. The final thing I want to encourage you to do is I want you to pray this week, every day, Jesus, who do you want me to see today? 
Who is my neighbor that you want me to reach out to? Maybe it's someone in the body that's in need of an encouragement. Maybe it's someone in your life or in your job that needs to know the hope of Christ. Let's be his hands and feet extended at this hour. Come on, would you bow your heads and pray with me today? We're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us apply this message. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if there's anyone here today that doesn't have the hope of Jesus, you do not have a personal relationship with him, I want to give you that opportunity. Right where you are, you know if you're far from God. You know if you don't have that hope that I was talking about. And if you're ready today to put your hope in Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray out loud, right where you are, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. They have separated me from you. I believe that you died and that you rose again and you desire to give me a brand new life. Today, I put all my hope and trust in you and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Praise God for those of you that made that decision. It's the greatest decision you could ever make and I want you to know you are not alone. We wanna walk with you. Please let me know that you made that decision. I pray for every one of you that reach out by name and we are committed to helping put some resources, a special book in your hands to help you take some next steps in growing in your relationship with God. You can just send us a text message to 908-325-5163. Send the word Jesus and that's gonna let us know that you began a relationship with God. We're so excited about what God has in store, church family. We're going to continue to share updates along the way. We're continuing to find amazing ways to minister to you right where you're at. We are reaching out to everyone in our database. We have over 5,000 people in there, but we are doing our best to call you to check in. But if you need anything, Evangel family, your pastors are ready to talk to you, to pray with you, to help meet any need that might be there along the way. So don't suffer in silence. Reach out if you haven't heard from us yet, and we want to help you. Hope is on the way. God bless you. Have a great week and we can't wait to see how God is going to move in this season. Truly we will stand back and see what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. Blessed are your eyes to see what you're seeing. Lord may we see the greatest revival of our generation unfold right in front of us in this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.